you're tuned to More Living with Jim Brogan, broadcasted live from the Brogan Financial Studios at News Talk 98.7, where old-fashioned values, expert knowledge, and genuine understanding come together to give you the retirement straight talk you deserve. Jim's a former National Advisor of the Year recipient and a financial educator. And he's here today to talk about how you can live out the best years of your life. Jim and the Brogan Financial Team have been helping retirees and pre-retirees across the Southeast for almost 20 years in their pursuit of financial independence. You can reach them during the week at 865-862-6800. So sit back, relax, and get ready to learn, folks, because more living with Jim Brogan starts now. Hello, East Tennessee, and welcome to More Living with Jim Brogan where it's all about living the best years of your life your way. You're listening to News Talk 98.7 WOKI. And, you know, many people, many of you listening, make a shopping list around the holidays to help you stay organized. And you still might have many gifts to buy, ingredients for a big Christmas dinner, and travel plans to finalize. And getting it all done in time can be very stressful. But ultimately, it's worth it when the big dinner comes together and all the presents are wrapped and under the tree and we enjoy time with our loved ones. The same could be said of retirement. It requires a lot of planning that can be stressful and complex, especially if you're doing it on your own. But ultimately, it's worth it when you get to enjoy years and years of the lifestyle that you've been looking forward to. So think about it. If you spend many hours planning this holiday season, a couple of days to go just right, shouldn't you spend more time planning for the next decades of your life to go right? Of course we should. So wishing you the most joyous holiday seasons, uh, if you have questions about your retirement, you're in the right place. So here's what I'm going to cover. I'm going to cover four major items that should be on your financial checklist if you're getting ready to retire or you are already retired. One is a retirement income plan. Maybe as the most overlooked retirement planning. Uh, Number two, a tax minimization strategy. Income taxes are the highest expense you and I will ever pay in our lifetimes. And you have more control of your income taxes in retirement than at any other time in your life. What are you doing to minimize taxes? Where are taxes likely to go in the future. Number three, an estate plan. An estate plan takes care of you while you're alive and it takes care of your loved ones when you're gone. And then finally, number four, a plan to cover health care costs. So today we'll answer some retirement questions that you might have. You know at Brogan Financial we help with all areas of retirement planning including making important decisions about how to make your money last the rest of your life, protect yourself from taxes, and plan for some big expenses that you may have down the road. Give us a call. I know we're about at the end of the year. We're into January now for our appointment scheduling. But give us a call, 865-862-6800, and sign up for a complimentary financial review so you can get your 2022 off to a great start. Now, let's let's start with the income plan. I, I mentioned... I think it's the most overlooked area in retirement planning because it's not just how much income you can draw in retirement, but it's also where are you going to draw the income from? How are you going to structure your investments to provide dependable income 
that will increase over time to keep up with inflation and that won't run out before you, your life does. And, of course, Social Security election becomes a critical important, of your income, important part of your income plan. So, you know, when you, when you get to retirement, you've heard me say many times the plan that gets you to retirement is not going to be the plan to get you through retirement. And we have to realize that, you know, when you retire, it's no longer about this pot of money that you have. It's about how you take the pot of money or the investment mix or any other assets you have, like real, rental, real estate, whatever. But how do you take that accumulation of assets and how do you convert it into stable, dependable income? Because it's all about income in retirement and making sure it'll last as long as you do. So the first is you need a plan. You've, you, you've, you've, you've got a bunch of investments and you've saved for you convert to income. So one part of that is reassessing your risk tolerance. And, you know, I'm going to say something here that sounds counterintuitive. But, you know, if, if you need to be drawing systematic income throughout retirement from your savings, like you need some income just to live on. You're, you know, maybe you've got a pension and Social Security. Maybe you've got rental income. But you need to regularly draw from your life savings. You can probably, you can probably afford more risk to your investments at 85 years old than you can at 65 years old. And that sounds counterintuitive, you know. But you, you know that old thing people say, hey, Subtract your age from 100, and that's the percentage of your money that should be in the stock. Have you heard that? I mean, I don't like that. I think somebody probably came up with that in a napkin in a coffee house or, or, or eating lunch one day. I mean, it sounds good. The reality is every single person in retirement needs a different income plan an investment plan based on your needs and your goals and, and your objectives. And the reality is, and there, by the way, there's been research on this that has pretty much proven this, that, you know, losing a lot of money in the early years of retirement is much more devastating than losing a lot of money in the later years of retirement. We think, well, Jim, I, you know, when I'm 85, I shouldn't take as much risk as when I'm 65. And the data doesn't really show that. You can probably afford more risk at 85 than at 65. And think about it this way. If you're 65, you have to plan for a potentially a 25 to 30-year lifetime. So if you lose a lot, you know, if you have a big hit for whatever reason, whether it's a big investment downturn or medical costs or something else, if you have a big hit to your asset base in the early years of retirement, you know, that money still has to last you for a long time. So think about how devastating that could be if you don't have things positioned properly to be able to recover from that loss, which I'll get into here in a minute. Whereas if you have a big investment, you know, a big hit to your money at 85, you don't need that money to last as long. So reassessing your risk tolerance as you near and enter retirement is critically important. And structuring income in the early years of retirement where you don't have to depend on market investments. So, you know, you've heard me talk a lot about 
hey, think about all of the money you've saved and invested. Think of it as going in one of two buckets of money. You've got a safe money bucket and a risk money bucket. The safe money bucket is very stable or even protected. And then the risk money bucket is not. The risk money bucket is where you get your long-term growth potential. That's where you're going to beat inflation. And you need to in the long haul. The problem is <coughs> risk market investments, we have no idea what they'll do in the short term. So in retirement, we want to live on the safe money. I call that the li live on money. The risk money, we want to leave that alone for growth. I call that leave on money. Because, see, if you're living on things that are constantly going up and down, like market investments, where you're having to withdraw from your investments to support, you know, to have income, well, inevitably, those investments will be down and sharply down. And that means when they're down, you're having to sell them off when they're down. And then you spend the money, and then it'll never come back because you've spent it. So you're going to compound your losses. And one of the real keys to wealth management is don't spend an investment loss. It's okay to sell something when it's down and reinvest it, but don't sell it and spend it. So in your income plan, you don't need to be depending on selling securities in order to generate income. Now, if you're getting dividends from stocks, absolutely be rolled into part of your retirement income because you're not selling shares of the stock. But how you structure that retirement income is so critically important. So assessing risk tolerance, you know, inflation, we got real issues with inflation, can eat away at your retirement income. And CDs and savings account and your traditional safe money options just offer very, very little interest. So you've got to have some way to try to get, if you can even get a 3 or 4% return on things that are stable and that you live on those. But, you know, those aren't going to be in inflation over time. So that's where that risk money really needs to work for you. But you just can't depend on market investments in the short term. It's a crapshoot. We have no idea what's going to happen in the short term. And the great thing is, once you turn 59 and a half, many of you listening are going to have a whole lot more investment options. You know, if you're still working and you have a 401k or a 403b, you know, you're limited usually to those 12, 15 investments, whatever's in that 401k plan. You're very, very limited. The great news is at 59 and a half, most 401k plans will allow you to take control of that investment and have better access to investment choices without affecting your future participation in the 401k. By all means, until you retire, you should be investing regularly through your 401k through payroll deduction and getting any employer match. But you can take much greater control of the investments that are in there. Then there's social security benefits. How are you going to file your social security benefit? A uh, recent study, only 4% of Americans file optimally for Social Security income. And we don't really know because we don't know when we're going to die. But you know what? People are living longer and longer lives. We need to be very calculated and measured with how we strategically draw Social Security income. What about IRA and 401k distributions? How much will you take out every year and what's the tax impact, which we'll get into in the next segment? And then your income-producing investments, how much will they produce? So it's the importance of having a comprehensive retirement plan and investing in retirement income, minimizing the impact of inflation over time and tax minimization. Now, when we come back, 
When we come back, we're going to dive into tax minimization. It's the largest expense you and I will ever have in our lifetime. And in retirement, we have the greatest, most people in retirement have greater control of their income taxes than any other time in their lives. What can you be doing to minimize income taxes? So stay with us. You're listening to More Living with Jim Brogan right here on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. Welcome back to News Talk 98.7's Brogan Financial Studios, where Jim Brogan is coming to you live with important news and advice to help you achieve your dream retirement. Get ready to learn and live. Here's your host, Jim Brogan. Welcome back. This is More Living on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. I'm your host, Jim Brogan. We're with you every Saturday from 9 to 10 a.m. and again from 3 to 4 p.m. Taxes are going to be your largest expense in retirement. Do you know if you're paying more than you have to? If you're not retired yet, how can you set things up to optimally save money in income taxes? You know, your finances will change a lot in retirement. That's why it's important to get advice on how to minimize your taxes in retirement. You know, many people think that if their income is lower in retirement, they don't have to worry so much about taxes. But is that really true? You know, taxes don't go away once you stop getting a paycheck, and they could still be pretty high in retirement. And actually, this is something we see a lot. I mean, we see people retire, and certainly once they're, once you're 72 years old, your income, your taxable income may be just as high or close to it as what it is when you're working because of the minimum distributions from your retirement accounts and the income need that you have. I mean, most people I talk to, they don't want to live on half their income in retirement. They don't want to, you know, whatever you're making while you're still working, you don't want to cut that in half when you retire. People want to maintain their same lifestyle, or at least close to it. And so taxes don't go away once you stop getting a paycheck. And number one, we, could, we will see higher taxes in the future. Absolutely will. Because the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act expires at the end of 2025. So starting next year, we have four more tax years under current law before tax increase. And for many of you, that might be timed more with you getting closer to age 72 when you have to start taking these taxable distributions from your retirement accounts, your required minimum distributions. And by the way, the minimum is, if you're not there yet, it's about 4%. Just use that as a rough figure. Not exactly, but it can give you some rough numbers. I mean, if you got $800,000 in your IRA or your 401k, just figure roughly a $32,000 RMD, et cetera, et cetera. You know, Up to 85% of your Social Security income can be taxed, and that is means-tested. So the amount of taxes we pay on our Social Security income is means-tested. The more you make, the more of your Social Security is taxed. Now, under current law, no matter how much you make, at least 15% of your Social Security income is tax-free. I believe that that is likely to change at some point in our future. If you're in your 60s, maybe even if you're in your 70s, I think it's probably going to change where it could be 100% as taxed 
and none of it is tax-free. And that would be technically not reducing Social Security benefits. That would be just changing the tax of, of Social Security benefits because we already have means testing. We have means testing on Social Security income. We have, uh, in terms of the taxation, which is just a, I mean, that's means testing your benefit. We also have means testing with Medicare premium. You know, the more you make, that's reportable on your 1040. Now, that's the key part. That's reportable on your 1040. The more you make, the less government benefit in terms of more of your Social Security is taxed or you pay a higher Medicare premium. So we want to structure income where we can control that better. You know, for example, if you have a Roth IRA and you take $100 out of your Roth IRA, that doesn't show up on your income tax return. If you go down to the bank and you pull out $100 from your savings account to buy something or to pay for dinner with your spouse, that doesn't show up on your tax return. Now, if you take $100 out of your IRA, that's taxed as ordinary income. If you sell off a stock, you've got a capital gain. If the stock is not inside your IRA, you have a capital gain. Is it a short-term or a long-term gain? Short-term gains are held for less than a year. You're taxed as ordinary income. Or if you hold it for more than a year, you're taxed at long-term gains rate. But the gain on that investment is going to be taxed. So we want to be very intentional about how we position investments to save on income taxes. Now, you know, you don't, you don't want to get the cart before the horse. The number one goal, what is, I'll ask you right now today, what is the number one goal of an investment? Is it to save taxes? No, it's to make money. Maybe a better way to say that is it's, it's to make money net of tax. So don't get me wrong. Taxes are part of that equation. But the part of that equation is, is this a good investment for you to be holding? I've seen people, you know, think about it this way. You put $50,000 into a stock, and it's grown to $150,000. So you have a $100,000 long-term gain if you've held it for more than a year. And you say, well, Jim, I don't want to sell that stock, long-term gains tax. Well, what would be the tax on that? Well, the long-term gains rate runs, the tax rate runs from anywhere from 0% to 23.8%. Most people pay 15. So let's just say it's a 15% tax on $100,000. It's a $15,000 tax, right? Well, I don't know. Show me a way I can make $100,000 and only pay $15,000 in income taxes. That's a pretty good deal. You know, our our internal revenue code incentivizes investment. Long-term capital gains rates are one of the greatest things the IRS has given us. Because for almost all taxpayers, the long-term capital gains rate is almost always going to be better than the ordinary income tax rate. How are you incorporating capital gains tax planning in your retirement plan? Because I'd much rather pay 0 or 15 or 18.8 rather than 10 or 12 or 22 or 24 or 32%. Those are the differences between capital gains rates and ordinary income tax rates. And then we have this sweet spot between retirement age and age 72 
where if you need more income, you've got to decide where am I going to go for more income? Am I going to pull it from my IRA or from my bank account or from my 401k or from my investment account? And what is the tax implication of pulling out that income? If you get an investment that pays a dividend or interest, or if it's a mutual fund that pays a capital gain distribution at the end of the year, what is the tax implication of that? So, yeah, yeah, we don't want to get the cart before the horse. The goal is to make money net of tax. But we tax is part of that equation. So we, it, 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 we don't want to bury our head in the sand. So you want to be very wise with how you, and you know what? You want to be structuring things today to take advantage of tax rates tomorrow. So, for example, I had someone come into my office a couple of months ago. They're getting ready to retire. They have their high net worth, meaning they're over seven figures of net worth, not counting their house. They've got high amount of investments inside their retirement accounts. They've got a high amount of investments outside the, the retirement accounts. Now, anything that happens inside of a retirement account, an IRA, a 401k, a 403b, when you pull that money out, it's subject to ordinary income tax. You don't get capital gains treatment. The only exception is if you pull employer stock out of a company plan, 401k. And there's a lot of rules for that. Don't want to go down that rabbit hole today. But everything else, you take money out, it's ordinary income. Well, this, cl this client had all, almost all of their 401k investment was in what we call capital investments, where you invest in something hoping that it will grow in value. Stocks, mutual funds, whatever, ETFs, index funds, things like that. But mainly equities, stocks. And then, but they don't get any long-term gains treatment on any of that because it's in the 401k. Now then everything outside the 401k was in more income-producing things, CDs, bonds, things like that, where they don't get long-term capital. I mean, you don't buy a CD or a bond for capital appreciation. You buy it for the dividends it pays. And that's part of the total return, but you're not really buying those things for capital appreciation. So you're not buying them for long-term capital gains, in other words. You're buying them for income. The problem is they don't get long-term gains treatment either because they're, you know, you're not investing. I mean, they do if they grow, but you're not investing in a bond to grow in value, typically. So, I mean, you could get a little bit of growth, but that's not the primary purpose of a, of a CD or a bond. So, you know, the, the, this couple had things, they, they weren't positioned now to be able to take advantage of our long-term capital gains rates two, three, four years from now when they're retired and their taxable income drops off. So we need to do things, you may need to do some things today with your investments to be sure to position things that in two, three, four years you can take advantage of long-term capital gains tax rates. And that's critically important. You can also then take advantage of losses. You know, for example, last year, 2020, the stock market was up. Most asset classes were up. You held it something like natural resources or energy in your portfolio, which is a form of diversification, more than likely, no matter what you were invested in, you know, if you were diversified in a fund, you were down in that fund. Well, so you could sell that fund, take a loss, 
and buy another resource fund. So stay in the position. You don't want to, you know, you probably still want to want to be in that position at the end of last year, but you can take the capital loss. Now, to be clear, if you have a loss, you can't sell something and immediately buy it back. You have to wait a period of time. So, but you can buy another security, another fund. Okay, now when you have a gain, you can sell something and immediately buy it back and take the gain. Uncle Sam would be happy for you to take the gain. But you know what? We help our clients take gains at a very, very low tax rate. And many times it's 0% for capital gains. So all of this is critically important. The, the, I guess the takeaway here is, the biggest one is, the sweet spot from retirement age to age 72 is your biggest opportunity to save on income taxes. If, if you're still working, you may need to be positioning some investments now to take advantage of those opportunities when you are retired. And then also, how to, and it's things like capital gains, things like Roth conversion, and all of these things. And then if you're over 72, there still may be very, very many opportunities. I got many clients that are over 72, and they take their minimum distributions, but they've got large retirement accounts. So then after they do that, they also do some Roth conversion, where they pay some extra tax in what they know is a reduced tax rate today as compared to what it'll be in 2026. And then the question is, what is Congress going to do potentially in the future to increase tax rates even more? So your tax plan is a critical component of the financial plan. Now, we talk about this all the time in my classes. My next class at the University of Tennessee is February 1st and February the 8th. If you go to financial, excuse me, financialsurvivalforretirement.com, that's the name of the class, financialsurvivalforretirement.com. It is open for registration. I know in the holiday bustle, we're all getting ready for Christmas, but you can go ahead and reserve your spot it's $59 per person. A married couple is, I think, $99. Financialsurvivalforretirement.com. It's February 1st and 8th. It's a two-part class, two two-hour sessions, adult education, non-credit. If you're retired or getting close to retirement, I cover the seven key areas everybody needs to address in a comprehensive retirement plan. And one of the biggest areas we talk about is tax minimization. Now, when we come back, we're going to talk about estate planning, taking care of you, and taking care of your loved ones. So don't go away. You're listening to More Live Hogan only on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. Welcome back to News Talk 98.7's Brogan Financial Studios, where Jim Brogan is coming to you live with important news and advice to help you achieve your dream retirement. Get ready to learn and live. Here's your host, Jim Brogan. This is More Living with Jim Rogan, where it's all about living the best years of your life your way, and those are the retirement years. This is News Talk 98.7 WOKI, and we're talking about four items should be on your checklist as we head into 2022 with your financial planning. We've talked about income planning. We've talked about minimizing taxes. In this segment, we're going to talk about your estate plan. Now, if you've missed part of the show we're on every Saturday, 9 to 10 a.m., again, from 3 to 4 p.m. here from the Brogan Financial Studio at WOKI. Uh, you can also catch my shows online. We podcast all of our shows. that will be up by Monday, more than likely. Mondays are usually when we get this up. If you go to broganfinancial.com and click on radio, you can pull up our show. 
You know, this time of year, we remember how much we value our loved ones and find joy in giving them gifts. And, you know, gift giving is one of my five love languages. Dee Dee and I, we believe in the five love languages. Gary Chapman, the author and, and well-known Christian uh, couple supporter, um, I'm a big gift giver. It just gives me a lot of joy to see the impact in other people's lives, see the impact in the causes I like to give to, church and charity, all of those things. But have you given your kids or your family a gift of an estate plan? Without one, your loved ones could have more difficult times, yes, while you're alive, and then also upon your passing, dealing with complex financial and legal questions. So no matter what you plan to pass on to your loved ones, it's important, loved ones, it's important to have an estate plan. And I get asked sometimes, Jim, you know, do I need an estate plan? You might be older and you don't have many assets, or you might be younger starting out in life. Do you need an estate plan? And my answer to that is if you own something, and you love somebody, you need an estate plan. Now, the, the, the most fundamental part of an estate plan is actually taking care of you while you're alive and making sure an undue burden doesn't fall on your kids, and that's having your powers of attorney in place is part of that. Your powers of attorney, there are two of them, one for medical so that's for someone to make your medical decisions when you cannot. And then the other is financial, someone to pay your bills and administer your affairs when you cannot. And if you don't have those in place, you could really have problems. You know, this is where we, if you remember the name from years ago, Terry Shavo in Florida. See, she was incapacitated. She had no hope for recovery. She had no medical power of attorney. Now, she was married, but she also had parents that were alive. And the, and the husband... And the parents disagreed on the right course for her. So we had a big legal battle, made big headlines. So on the medical, that can be critically important. Also on the financial. You know, if you're married, just even being married, like if I'm, my wife and I, Dee Dee and me, if I'm 70 and I have an RMD that I have to take out of my retirement account, and I haven't done it, and late in the year I become incapacitated, it might be a temporary thing. <coughs> she cannot take my RMD without a power of attorney because an, an IRA or a, is an individual retirement account. It's, not, it's in my name. It's not in her name. She doesn't have permission to act for me unless I give her that permission with a power of attorney document. Now, with both of those, for medical and financial, you need to always have a fallback. What if your primary power of attorney cannot serve? So those take care of you while you're alive. Now then at your death, you've got a lot of issues of control, complex financial and legal questions. So, you know, when, when, when we hear the phrase estate planning, many people think mainly about taxes, and I do want to cover that. Um, you know, the estate tax is... is the, the oldest tax on the books. When we look at federal, state, and local taxes in East Tennessee, I think the oldest one is the estate tax. And, you know, estates have been taxed for years and years and years. But as of right now, you can pass close to $12 million to a loved one than your spouse 
with no estate tax. There might be income tax, like on an IRA or a 401k, but there's no estate tax. Now, if you own life insurance, the life insurance is part of your estate if you own it in your name. So be sure you're adding in that amount. But that's a pretty big number. And a married couple can pass double that, which is $23.4 million as of this year. And that number is going up every year. However, it's going to be basically cut in half in 2026. It's going to go down to what at that time is probably going to be right around $6 million per person. That starts to make a little bit more of an impact on people. And then Congress is continuing to discuss wanting to reduce the amount you can pass to your family without an estate tax. And I think that's a pretty sub substantial risk, that it could go down to three and a half. Would it go down beyond there? I don't know. And I don't know that it'll go to three and a half million. But that's something that needs to be watched, and your estate plan needs to have some flexibility in it based on changes in the tax laws. What if the tax laws change when you're 88 and you no longer have mental capacity to make decisions? Well, you cannot change your estate plan if you have a simple will. You have to have proper estate planning in place now so that other people in your life can make those proper decisions. Powers of attorney, trust successor trustees. So, um, you know, certainly having the proper will, do you need a trust? I'm kind of running out of time on the estate planning uh, part, but coordinating all this is critically important. And then the other part I want to talk about is your beneficiary designations. You know, your will does not govern, does not control everything you pass on. If you have something where you've named a beneficiary, life insurance, retirement accounts, if you have an annuity, you know, when you set up those kinds of things, retirement accounts, life insurance, annuities, they ask you to name a beneficiary when you set those up. And many of you didn't even, you know, we don't think twice about it. We list our spouse if we're married, maybe our kids as contingent beneficiaries. Yet that little box on the, on the form on that account application, that little beneficiary box has full control and authority over who gets what. The will has nothing to do with it. In other words, the beneficiary designation legally supersedes the will. How long has it been since you reviewed your account beneficiaries? Do they coordinate properly with what's in your will or in your trust? And is all the properly? I would say in estate planning, passing on retirement accounts and dealing with the income tax ramifications. You know, if you have an IRA or 401k, you haven't paid income tax on most, if not all, of that money. So if you don't pay the income tax, who's going to pay the income tax? Well, your kids are, or whoever that goes to is beneficiary. And then the beneficiary designations are driving that. I'd say this is the most overlooked area in estate planning today. Even people that do a lot of legal planning with their attorney come into my office and they haven't really addressed their beneficiary designations. Okay, so that's very important to coordinate all of that. And then what happens to your retirement account and the taxation of that at death? So tax minimization, do you need a, is a will sufficient or do you need a trust? What about late in life planning? A trust provides more flexibility if you have a high net worth. 
What if you're divorced or remarried? What controls do you need in place for a surviving spouse if you have a blended family? Are you giving to charity in your estate plan? And if you're giving to church or charity, how are you going to be efficient with your dollars from a tax perspective with your charity giving at death? So estate planning can be complicated. There's taxes, there's legal, there's taking care of you, there's the personal side. You know, when you pass your estate to your kids, it should be about impact. You know, we focus so much on the assets, but it really should be the impact of your life and the values you've you've re you've raised your kids with and that you've imparted upon them. So be sure you have an estate plan that's coordinated with everything that you're doing. Now, to be clear, I'm not an attorney. I am certified in estate and trust services. So at Brogan Financial, we can help our clients connect all these dots and get them maybe 60, 70% of the way there. Ultimately, you will need an attorney. Okay, but we can coordinate that with your attorney, make sure everything's connected and you don't miss opportunities. Now, when we come back for our final segment, healthcare costs. The average retired couple today at 65 years old is expected to spend about $300,000 out of pocket in their retirement on medical expenses, and this does not include the risk of long-term health care. So stay with us as we'll talk about health care costs. This is More Living with Jim Brogan on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. Welcome back to News Talk 98.7's Brogan Financial Studios, where Jim Brogan is coming to you live with important news and advice to help you achieve your dream retirement. Get ready to learn and live. Here's your host, Jim Brogan. Thanks for tuning in this week to More Living with Jim Brogan here on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. We're with you every week on uh, Saturdays, 9 to 10 a.m., again, 3 to you can also catch our podcasts online. Go to BroganFinancial.com, click on radio. Today we're talking about end-of-the-year checklist, four, four important checklist items as we head into 2022 uh, financially in terms of your financial retirement planning. And for this last segment, we're going to talk about health care costs. The average retiree medical couple at age 65 years old is going to spend about $300,000, just shy about $290,000 on medical costs. That does not include long-term custodial health care. So $290,000, so let's just call it three hundred. dollars Now, that sounds like a big number, and it is. The reality is you don't retire and have to write a check for $300,000. It's not like you retire and have to write a check for your property taxes for the next 25 or 30 years all at once. We pay for, for medical costs on a year-by-year -year basis. So the way we plan for this is by building it into our income plan. You know, if, if you're kind of average health, pretty healthy, maybe got, you know, two or three minor, you know, a little bit of high blood pressure, some high cholesterol, you're on some meds for that, it's controlled. You know, kind of average health or, or maybe a little, you know, pretty healthy, but you got a few things going on. You're probably looking at once you're 65 and on Medicare, if you buy a good Medicare supplement, to supplement what Medicare does not cost for your medical bills. You're looking at five to $6,000 per year per person. So a married couple, 10 to 12,000 a year. So if you're married, you need about a thousand dollar a month budget for healthcare, but that's all in. That includes utilization. That includes your out-of-pocket costs. So that's all in premiums and out-of-pocket costs. Now, if you're, you know, you got a lot of stuff going on medically, you could spend maybe double that even 
10 to 12,000 a year per person. Okay, so these are kind of averages. Once you're 80, you're probably going to spend 10 to 12,000 a year per person in today's dollars. So, you know, you're looking at your medical expenditures in the first 20 years of retirement, you're looking at them double, roughly. If it's 6,000 a year initially, it could be 12,000 a year when you're in your early to mid 80s. But you build that into your income plan. That's how you plan for that. So build it into your income plan. Come on Medicare at the right time. 65 for most people, unless you're still working or you're covered by your spouse at work. Then when you have a, qualif a, life, a qualifying event, retirement, you can then come on Medicare. So there's a lot of issues. And, and then what Medicare supplement or do you do a, a Medicare Advantage? What do you do? But those are important factors. And then the other important factor is the, the risk of long-term care. Seven out of ten people aged 65 years old will need some form of long-term health care. I think a lot of that is because people are living longer and longer lives. So what's your plan to deal with that cost? You know, an, a, an average assisted living facility in East Tennessee, you're going to pay probably between 45000 and 60000 a year. So let's just say four to 5000 a month. Nursing home, pushing 8000 You're going to be paying 8000 a month. Just, I'm sorry, about 7000 a month, rough figures. So, you know, now you're not going to be spending money elsewhere. So what can you afford to pay for out of your own income and assets? And then what, you know, how do you need to plan for all of this? So, you know, self-funding is an option for long-term care, as is some of the insurance programs that are out there. Um, I'm a big believer that you have some sort of a plan to deal with this risk. If you end up, and I hope you don't need long-term care. If you do, who else's life would potentially change forever you know unfortunately would you believe it or not that when one spouse has to have long-term care more often than not the healthy spouse dies first because of the mental and physical toll of being a primary caregiver but if you have the resources in place either the personal assets and income or insurance in place to cover those needs your primary care is merely going to supervise the care and not actually have to provide the care so it doesn't change your daughter's or your son's life forever but getting your arms around the different health care costs, both traditional medical costs and the risk of long-term care, is a critical component of a, of, a, of a financial plan. So today we've discussed greater wealth provides for more living so you can live the best years of your life your way. Now next week we will be taking the week off. You'll be listening to a great day of Christmas music. It's hard to believe it will be Christmas Day. We'll be back with you on New Year's Day in two weeks. I hope you have a very blessed Christmas season with your family and your loved ones. Remember those that have a difficult time at, at this time of year. God bless you. Have a blessed Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. This is More Living with Jim Brogan. You've been listening to News Talk 98.7 WOKI. Have a blessed weekend. The views expressed by Jim Brogan and his guests are not that of Cumulus Media. Any discussion of financial, legal, and tax planning strategies is not intended to be individualized advice and is general in nature. Always consult with your advisor for advice specific to your needs. This program's content does not represent a recommendation of any particular security, strategy, or investment by Jim Brogan or Brogan Financial Incorporated.